Man, we make no apologies for uh, taking the time to love on people and to let Jesus encounter the human heart. That's why we're here, you know? We don't ascribe to being professional Christians. We don't ascribe to being professional ministry. Uh, we we um, are in love with God. And, and we just want that to dictate and to motivate and to lead us um, in whichever way he would call us. If this is your first time tonight joining us here at P-Hop, man, we just celebrate you and just thankful you'd come and want to worship with us. Those of you who are watching by live stream, let's just welcome everybody who's watching by the live stream first time. God is, God is so good. Um, I, man, I, I'm really excited just to share my heart with you with what my heart has just been marinating on all day today and just soaking on. Just oh, go ahead and open your Bibles up to Mark chapter 14. Just go ahead and mark that. And um, Mark chapter 14. And, you know, p- part of this message tonight is to Maybe, maybe it's going to feel a little bit just kind of like a deep exhortation, man, to, to go a little deeper than where you've been maybe with the Lord. Um, you know, we want to celebrate where everyone is. And you know what? We can never fall into the trap of uh, comparing ourselves among ourselves. You know, that's a trap. We look, at, we look at the way somebody else is worshiping and we discount that or we look at what we're, they're not doing or what we are doing. And sometimes, you know what, we just need to focus on what God's telling us to do right now in our moment. You know, right now in our moment. Tonight's message, if you want to write a title down, I call it Fire and Fragrance. Fire and Fragrance. No, I'm not going to be talking about the book so much, but um, it's, Bryant mentioned that to me when he saw the title of my message. He said, you, you, are you doing something from the book? I said, no, but it, it may be part of it. Who knows? Um, but um, I, I, a couple of things um, about just fire and fragrance that I think that there's something just on those words that when we begin to mine out and to look at the, the heart of God, the heart of scripture and, and what's in the word, I think we just, there's some juice on that right now, man, to just let our hearts be envisioned for more. Um, if you got your, everybody got your Bibles open, you ready? Mark 14, you there? Say woohoo if you're there. All right, awesome. Now let's pray and ask God to anoint this imperfect preacher. God, we just thank you that God, you help us all. God, I thank you that you use inadequate vessels to do your perfect work through because you're a perfect God. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 14. I want to read this passage of scripture. Then I'm just going to kind of go through and unpack some of this. I'm going to pick up here in verse three. It says, while he, talking about Jesus, was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar. Say alabaster jar. With very expensive perfume. Say expensive. Expensive. Say coach. Coach. Say Prada. You know where I'm going. If you ain't got nada, no Prada. (laughs) Made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those who are present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? Why the waste? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Say harshly. Harshly. And then Jesus replies, leave her alone, Jesus said. 
Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will have always with you. You can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Wow. That's weighty. You know, as I was reading this passage of scripture, a few things just kind of began to kind of just jump off the page to me. Here was one of the first things, the very first thing, that Jesus was at this place, at this home, and, and the guy's house they were hanging out at was Simon the leper. Not Simon the guy Jesus cleansed. Not Simon the good guy who's following the Lord. Not Simon, whatever his last name was, it was Simon the leper. How you like that, you know? The world will always find some way to label you. See, the, Lord, the world will constantly find your blemishes and, and, and magnify and exalt those flaws in our life and, and try to hang that and attach that to your identity. See, Simon the leper. But I can tell you right now that this was a leper that Jesus cleansed. Jesus had no problem hanging out with people that had blemishes. Come on. Jesus didn't mind hanging out with people who didn't look like us. Could you imagine going and hanging out with somebody who had severe psoriasis? Does anybody, you know, anybody know what psoriasis is? Anybody seen anybody with a pretty bad case of it? Been, been healed of it. That's awesome. Praise God. I run into people who have had a severe case of it and they don't even want to be in public sometimes. It gets all over their face. People with eczema, different things of that nature, that what that does emotionally to a person. And you know what I find out? My Jesus was the kind of Jesus who loved getting up in people's worlds that totally looked messed up and putting his hands all over those people. The people that got labeled with issues were the very ones he came to show his healing power to his mercy to. So if you're in the house tonight and you think you, somebody's labeled you and you got issues, you're in the right place. Jesus is here. And Jesus loves being next to people who don't think they're very pretty people. Jesus loves hanging out with people who feel broken and in need of a savior. It goes on to say this next phrase that kind of jumped off the page at me as I was reading this, that he was with Simon the leper. This woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, this oil that she had. And I was looking into that a little bit. And this, this, this particular passage of scripture is recorded in the other gospels as well. And they give a little bit different variation. You know, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're not just reading somebody just copying everybody's stuff. You're getting a perspective of each individual. You know what I find so beautiful that we can see how Jesus was speaking through Mark and how Jesus was speaking through John and how Jesus was speaking through Matthew and how Jesus wants to speak through you. And each one of them can kind of see things from a different perspective. And so as you read them, you'll kind of see some subtle differences in what's actually written. But this particular oil, this expensive perfume, the Bible says it cost a year's wage. 
And, and as I was sitting on this, wrestling with this today, every time I thought about that, I thought that God began to show me that he has given me this alabaster jar of my own heart to bring to him. Is it worth everything? Is it worth an entire year of, of, of wages? And when that thing began to kind of hit me, all of a sudden I started weeping. I just started being broken. This particular perfume was used in the Middle East because the climate, the culture was very hot. So you get a room like this full of people like this. If we turned the air conditioners off, we'd find out how many really sold out folks we had. I'm kidding. <laughs> You're like, who you wash with their dial? <laughs> so they would take this, this, this perfume and it was used to refresh the atmosphere. It was used to be exhilarating, to, to change the, the, the smell of the atmosphere. It, this fragrance came to shift things in the atmosphere so people had this, could have this aroma. And so you start seeing what's happening here as this woman who I'm thinking is Mary, is coming in and she begins to break the alabaster jar of this very expensive perfume upon Jesus that she's symbolically beginning to shift the atmosphere. Here's a few other things that, that I, I was pulling out of this as I was thinking about the fragrance. That Mary was not just coming intellectually to Jesus to try to worship him just in her mind, but Mary is coming to him fully invested in her worship. See, we live in a culture and a society that has really pushed us into a place where we come to church and we're just going to mentally somehow connect with God, but we're detached emotionally from the experience. How's that working in marriages? Any ladies, you know, following me here? <laughs> Any detached husbands sometimes? <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on, let's get real. Sometimes we get detached and, and that, that, that experience is not being there. And all of a sudden, men, we can have expectations, but we're not dropping some, you know, deposits, some emotional deposits into that lover of our life. And so we go to make a withdrawal and it says insufficient funds. Sorry, tonight. You're out of luck. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yes, I am that pastor. I go there. So... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you, I'm trying to help you. So Mary was fully invested in what she was bringing to Jesus. She was not just coming to him, trying to have an intellectual relationship with Jesus. She had a revelation of what Jesus had done for her in her life. And when you begin to get a revelation of what Jesus has done for you, it begins to break open the alabaster jar of your heart. And that you come to break that. And so she was bringing something physically, symbolically, as she began to break open that jar and to spread out that, to give that perfume. And, and all of a sudden I started thinking about, as I was reading, just what other people were thinking about what she was doing. And you know, you always have several people in the room, man, when somebody or, or, or around you in your life, you're trying to go hard after Jesus, giving him everything. And then you have the spectators and the dictators. You got the spectator who's on the outside kind of looking in going, well, you're not really doing this right. And, you know, 
You know, is your heart really in this? You know, I know you still got some issues in your life. And, 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 and you know, you kind of, you got somebody kind of looking from the outside, you know, kind of wondering what's going on. Those other people are kind of just judging you, man. And all this woman is trying to do is just bring everything she has to the feet of Jesus. You know, we were singing just a few minutes ago that I, I, I really don't have anything, but I'll bring my everything. I'll bring my everything. In uh, the Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 12, it says, While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. You know, there's, a, there's something he's put in each and every one of us. There's a fragrance that each and every one of us is carrying. And will we bring it to the Lord? You know, I was thinking about the fact that it says that when she was down there washing his feet, you know, let me, let me just slip over here and, and pick up another reference in the gospel of John real quick. If you look at the gospel of John chapter 12, it says that in verse three, Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Wiped her feet with her hair. And then God just started talking, about, talking to me about being fully invested. And then I heard this phrase, Arnie, invest your best and forget the rest. Invest your best and forget about the rest. See, why was it significant that she began to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair? Because if you look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 15, something like that, um, it says that the glory of a woman is what? Her hair. See, there is no unnecessary detail written in this book. See, Mary came and she was taking all her glory that she had, taking everything that she had. All she, she didn't have anything but her glory that was given to her by God, her hair. And she's down on her feet and on her knees and she's taking her hair, her glory that was given to her. And she's giving it to Jesus as she wipes his feet. I assure you that a church full of people and a nation full of people who begin to take this position will change the earth. It's not up for discussion if it will work. It's the only thing that will work. Jesus was looking at Mary bringing her best, willing to invest her best to forget the rest. And Matthew 26, verse eight says, when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. There's always people standing in the background who are going to judge you when you come radically before the Lord and begin to give him your best, your best offering and your fragrance. You know, um, I was thinking about you know, putting this in the context of, you know, a husband and a wife. And, and I thought, you know, we are so 
willing to accept the analogy or the concept of a husband and wife who are supposed to be 100% invested into each other. You know, the Bible tells a husband to lay his life down for his wife as Christ did the church and for a wife to be submitted to her husband. And ultimately what you see here is a picture of two people laying their lives down for each other. They become laid down lovers for each other. And, and, and tell me what happens. Tell me what happens when a bride or a spouse, doesn't matter, husband or wife, begins to put their eyes on someone else. What does that do to the heart of this other person? All kinds of emotions go through their chest. The feelings of betrayal, brokenness, Love just shattered their, their, their emotions all across the board. And so then you get this picture of Jesus, of God, looking at the children of Israel, who he's giving his best to, and they're constantly giving their heart and their affections to other gods and foreign things. And Jesus goes to the cross not to play some game with humanity, but he goes to the cross to win our eternal hearts. He goes to the heart not to play a game with us, not to just do church, not to just do church services or programs, but he goes to the cross to say, I want your heart. I want you to put your eyes on me. I want to look at you and love you unconditionally with all that I am and all that I have. When, when, when somebody lays it all out on the line like that, can you imagine when we begin to give our affection to other things? This is not a message of, of legalism. This is a message to survey what we are really invested in. See, I personally believe that anything that is worth something is worth a price being paid. I believe that humanity has the value. We have the value that we do because see the value of who Jesus was to the Father and he was willing to pay a price to sacrifice. See, he was willing to pay a price to sacrifice because he found us so valuable. And here's what I begin, I see, I see him demonstrating to us what our life as Christians are supposed to look like. Are we willing to begin to pay a price and sacrifice for what we think is valuable? Will we actually bring to Jesus the expensive box of whatever we're carrying in our heart and decide that he's worth it all, that I will waste my perfume on him? You know, we kind of get into this wrestling sometimes. You know, we, I'm, you know, I'm going to use a phrase, and I've had to kind of process this because, you know, we, we, early on, six and a half years ago, when God called us to Pensacola, this phrase of just being reckless and abandoned was just so strong in our heart that we were just, we were just recklessly abandoning ourselves to the Lord to move to a city where we knew no one. We had no job. Did not know how this was all going to work or play out, but we had a word from God to go do it. And we were just going to be in love with Jesus and just lay our life down and just know that he is in control of the details. And we, I would say this word kind of reckless. And, and my wife, Sheree, would start talking. She was like, you know, Arnie, I don't want to be reckless because I don't think the Lord is just reckless. And as we begin to process this, we begin to realize that 
we really aren't being reckless to the Lord. It looks reckless in the eyes of men. See, when Jesus says to the rich young ruler, go sell all that you have, if you talk to his financial planner, he's going to be scratching his head going, what dude told you to do what? Sell everything that you have and go follow some teacher. What? And then I started thinking and started processing, man, this, what is, what is the alabaster jar in our life? What is that expensive thing that cost us that we're willing to bring to Jesus? And you know what? I'm here to tell you right now. See, it's not about us comparing ourselves among ourselves because see, Jesus said she brought what she could. See, that's where there's no judgment to fall on anybody and to try to come up with some religious formula and hey, if you'll give this amount or you do this or that, then that's what makes Jesus happy. No, Jesus is saying, I've put something in your life and then you have the choice to release it to him. I'm gonna to touch on a few things here. Don't throw any stones at me, okay? We can be friends when this is all over. I love us, I love, we, we, I love people. You know, when I think about worship, ultimately what I'm talking to you guys about tonight is worship. Is how, how are we gonna worship this uncreated God? And I run into people all the time with this tension. And they say things kind of like, because we're a house of prayer, and they're like, yeah, you guys are kind of like really intense worshipers, and you know, not everybody's like, you know, at that place as if we're like more mature as Christians. I'm like, we're not more mature because we worship Jesus without reservation. That doesn't make me like a, a better Christian. And then some people will say things like, you know, well, you guys are really passionate in your worship and, and you, not everybody's gonna be that passionate. And then I just started kind of processing this, kind of thinking about, well, what about when college football comes around? I'm like, I, I don't even watch college football, but I watch people who watch college football. <laughs> and then I get it. Alabama and Auburn, here we go. <laughs> FSU and Florida, here we go. You know, it, it's on. All of a sudden, people who are so reserved and intellectual don't process, well, the game is kind of going like this. And, and touchdown, 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 touchdown. Oh, come on. Mm. All of a sudden, come on. <laughs> They're out of their seat, they're screaming, they're jumping up and down. All of a sudden, that little Bilbo Baggins creature that's inside, the ring, the precious, all of a sudden you're like, dude, it's chips and salsa over here. It's all right. We're going to baptize you in queso. It's been drenched in beer. It's like, get this person, you know, to chill. It's amazing to me at, that, that when we think about worship that, you know, we come to church and we, we, I've heard people say, you know, they get kind of, you know, I love that guy who's a comedian. He does all the hand motions of how we worship, you know, he's like doing this and, and it's just awesome. But I'm like, you show up at a Beyonce show or you show up to Coldplay and I watch tens of thousands of people who are crying with their hands up like this as if they're about to touch them. 
and they have no reservation and they really don't care about their neighbor. Show up at a Slipknot concert and they really don't care about their neighbor. It's like elbows. And it's amazing to me at what people will, the kind of boxes that we create instead of the one box that we've been given to break. I would, it just kind of came out of my spirit. <laughs> I have to go back and watch that. It really is amazing. It is amazing at, at, at all these things that, man, we've been given something to break open at the feet of Jesus. And then we allow the pressures of what people think and religious formulas to dictate how we come. When he paid a price, so, such a heavy, heavy price. Why invest your best into Jesus? Because he only has eyes for you. And what kind of eyes he has? Revelation 19, 12 says he has eyes of fire. See, he has eyes of fire, not because he's angry with us, but because his heart is burning with love and passion for us. And see, our perspective of how we see him influences how we think he sees us. So you see eyes of fire and you think there's judgment and condemnation. And he's saying, I, my eyes are burning with fire, with love and passion and zeal for you. I've given everything that I had for you to be forgiven. There is no greater price. There is no extra song and dance we can do as a people to move him. He's moved. See, his, he only has eyes for you and I. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 says, for our God is an all-consuming fire. See, he has the fire and you have the fragrance. He has given you that alabaster jar of worship. And the question is, are we going to really break this thing open at his feet and shift the atmosphere of our city? You can't tell me right now that worship can't change everything. Whenever I read in this book right here, how many times the worshipers went out before the warriors and the worship caused the enemy to turn on themselves. See, I think we try to fight too many battles in our own strength and our own wisdom, and we keep wondering, why does it appear that church services have gotten cooler, but we have lost more power? We have, we have mastered and manipulated how to make things appear a certain way, but there's no more presence. That's not, that's not cool. That's just not. That's, a, that's, that's appealing to our flesh, but that does not move the spirit. What moves the heart of God is when we come and we truly empty ourselves out and we pour our love on him and we get real, man. We get real with him. I want to read another passage of scripture to you. Over here in John chapter 8. Verse 
John chapter 8, verse 36. Listen to this. One simple sentence. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son sets us free, we will be free indeed. And then here's the question. Free from what? Free from what? Free from just what we think is sinful? Free from just the same thing that we fall, the same traps we fall into? Or free from the bondage of a way of thinking that is keeping us from experiencing what utter abandonment looks like to God? See, the Son wants to set us free so we can truly be liberated like this woman who came to him through all of the circumstances, all the environmental challenges of the Pharisees that were in the room, approaching the teacher the way that she did when it was not culturally acceptable. But she found freedom as she came to the one who would show her mercy. She used her freedom to break open the alabaster jar of her heart and life. And I'm here to tell you right now that if you really look at that, that was her inheritance. And then dude, it hit me. How many of us say, God, I'm all in. I'm not retiring. That I'm not just going to take the blessings of this life and just keep pouring it on me, but how do I turn around and put it back at the feet of Jesus? See, man, we're all living for one day. You're living for one day. We're living for one day that we stand before the great I am. We're going to stand before him. And all you want to hear on that day is well done. I told you guys last week a story of a couple who hit retirement and they spent the rest of their years sailing off the shore of Florida collecting seashells. Can you imagine when you stand before God on that day and all you have is a seashell collection? Dude. Come on. You say, why, dude? This seems like, where's that celebration we were just at? Where's that? We can get there. 
we got to make sure that we're not just hyping it up, man, but we're really experiencing something that's transformational in how we live our life. So how does this, how does this practically happen? How does this practically happen? I'm going to tell you how it starts. I'm going to tell you how it started for me. It started out with me beginning to hear the voice of God that when he would speak, I would obey. I come to a place where I decided that what he's saying to me is more important than my opinion. That the voice of God trumps my feelings. That the voice of God is greater than the voice of man. So when God says, Arnie, sell your guitar and take the money and give it to this missionary, then it's not up for negotiations because God's telling me to do it. See, it's no different when Jesus stood in front of the other disciples and he said, hey, leave your fishing job and come follow me. We want to rationalize that and we look at it, what's written in this book and we go, well, that was really good for them. But the reality is nothing has changed. He's saying the same thing to you and I today. Can you imagine if a city like Pensacola, Fort Walton, Alabama, whatever, that people's hearts begin to break for the things that break the heart of God. And we no longer considered our stuff our stuff, but his stuff. And we no longer lived our lives just spent on ourselves, but we begin to see what he finds is truly beautiful. And we begin to pour out our love and give ourselves to that. So practically, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. I want to just share a few more things with you. I just want to process a few more things with you. One of the greatest experiences and feelings you will ever have in your life is to let go of that one thing that you're terrified to let go of and give to God. And see, for everybody in the room, it's different. See, I'm not gonna sit here and stand up here and say it's money because it's not money for everybody. Some people, it's their time. Some people value their time so much that they're unwilling to let that be broken open at the feet of Jesus and to give Jesus their time. For some people, it's security. For some people, it's comfort. I read a passage of scripture today that God says, all the silver is mine and all the gold is mine. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I'm here to tell everybody in the room, he's got no problem giving you stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to be more important than him.
And we're in a culture that has drenched us and tempted us into a place where we need to surrender our hearts so fresh and new again. And I believe with all of my heart, if Gideon didn't need 32,000, then we don't either. Our numbers is not what makes us great, it's our faith in God. Our numbers is not what's gonna just simply change the city, it's our trust in doing it God's way. I wanna put something in front of you tonight, you pray about it, you give this to the Lord, because this is about your relationship with him, man. I'm on my journey, and your journey is not my journey, but I'm here to tell you right now, if there's anything that's getting in the way of you being totally surrendered out to Jesus Christ, then put it on the altar. Put it on the altar. Men, if it's fishing, then put fishing on the altar. Ladies, if it's a coach purse, then sell it. Like, dude, you are all up in our chili tonight. Because this is really what Jesus is so eager to show every single one of us in the room. He wants to show you that that stuff isn't nearly as amazing as the stuff he has for you. But until, the, until that gets out of the way, you won't be able to fully see what he has for you, son and daughter of God. The uncreated God has eternal truths and eternal things that he wants to put into the lap of your life. Be careful that you're not holding on to one thing and he's wanting to put something else in your hand. I want to take just a moment. As Tony comes up here, I just want to take a moment and I want us just to just meditate and focus on Jesus for a minute. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now, what are the things that have gotten in the way of an intimate relationship with Jesus? And if you're sitting here tonight and right now you're kind of going, dude, I, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. Then I'm gonna ask you to pray again. Just pray again. It may not be stuff. It may not be things. The Lord's even showing me right now that for some of you in this room, it's the perception of people. See, you gotta be so careful that you don't misunderstand what I'm saying tonight. Sometimes we're so afraid of the way people view us that we actually make that an idol and we give more power to that than we do to God. 
I want you to take a moment and just think about Mary. I want you to not just see her, but I want you to see yourself. I want you to see yourself coming in low to Jesus, the Messiah. And as you're approaching him, the revelation of what you are being forgiven of begins to just flood your soul. And you begin to think about all the dirty stuff, man, that he has covered by the blood. And let your heart be filled with worship that as you're looking at his feet, thinking that you don't even have a right to look up into his face, but as you're washing his feet with your tears, he looks down at you and says, son and daughter, look at me in the face. I want you to see my eyes. I want you to see the look of my eyes. I want you to capture I want to capture your gaze with the fire that's in my eyes because he wants you to know his heart is burning with love for you. If you have struggled to give Jesus everything, and there's probably not many of us in this room has not struggled with giving him that kind of worship and abandonment. I wanna tell you right now, let's encourage each other why we have today to help each other daily die to ourself, to keep our eyes on Jesus, the true lover of our soul. We're gonna sing this together. Just take a moment right now and just ask the Holy Spirit to show you what you need to give up. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that Darkness. 
darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken great are you Lord it's your breath in our lungs so we stand to your feet let's just declare this again man let's just make this our declaration tonight as David said search me oh God find my hidden faults and reveal them to me that's our prayer tonight let's sing this together and it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your thank you right now that each and every one of us in this room tonight never again do we have to live under false condemnation or judgment that we can come freely to your throne of grace and receive and Lord I pray tonight that revelation would pierce every one of our hearts because Lord, you said in this word that wherever this gospel is preached, the story of what this woman did will be told. And so Lord, I honor your word tonight that it has been told to our people and to those who are watching. Because great are you, Lord. Brothers and sisters, I'm getting updates from our friends that are planning the House of Prayer in northern Iraq. There are Iraqi people and Syrians and Iranians who are worshiping the Lord 
Because people have not loved their lives so much and their comfort so much that they have gone. Our brothers and sisters who are in Laos are forsaking their comforts that those who have not been reached will hear the story. And see, every single one of us in this room, we're connected to those people because we support them. We're a part of it. And I want to encourage you tonight that what they're doing there, we can do right here. You don't have to get on a plane and fly to Iraq to live out what I'm talking about tonight. We can do it right here in our own backyard. We can lay our lives down for each other and show a lost and broken city the light of Jesus Christ. Can we give him some praise in this place? Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Man, just put your hand over your heart. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the prayer team if they will just make their way up here. If you're here in this place tonight and you want someone to agree with you in prayer before you leave, feel free to make your way up here. We'd be happy to pray with you guys for any need that you have, healing, whatever it is. And then we're going to close and prepare ourselves for the second service. God, we just thank you right now. Lord, I thank you that, Lord God, as our hands are over our heart, God, we just ask you to put your hand there, that you would mold it, that you would shape it, that, God, we give our heart and our life to you, Jesus. And, Lord, we just pray that, God, we would every day continue to ask, God, what can we do to be the hands and feet of Jesus today? We love you and we praise you. And everybody said amen. God bless you guys. Would you guys give Corey a big hand and his wife as it come? Hallelujah. We love you guys. If you need prayer, feel free to come by, man. We would love to pray with you. God bless you. Have a good night.